Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, speaking of peel, is it true that you have an OnlyFans page and you can peel a banana with your feet? I don't have one, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you this. I just discovered what OnlyFans was about three weeks ago when it was brought up in a discussion in my office. What do you think? And I was, ve- I was oblivious to the whole concept. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? I hope you guys are doing well. Oh, it's holiday week, and I always feel like, I don't know, the older I get, I feel like the more uh, excited I get for the holiday season or the feeling of holiday, which is weird because I don't really celebrate them, <laughs> but, but alas, here we are. I'm usually like alone on Christmas, which might sound desperately sad to people, but it's actually very nice. I love it. I love it. Just me and a puppy, and we're having a great day. (laughs) So I hope you guys have a good week, and um, we have so much to talk about. We gotta talk about it. I mean, how do we even start? Because y'all know who I have to talk about. (sighs) Maybe let's end with him. Let's start light, shall we? <laughs> so we're going to start with our girl because, th- listen, I can't give Diddy a, a girl for the week. This is beyond, light years beyond girl territory. So we're going to keep it light. Our girl this week is actually going to go to Colleen Ballinger. She's back, y'all. After that 
50-hour-long toxic gossip train ukulele disaster that she subjected us to. Um, Apologize. No. Singing about how she's not a predator and how everybody's got it all wrong. Right? Even after all the allegations and her sending panties to minors through the mail. That somehow we're all just feeding into some negative cycle and trying to bring her down, right? So, well, she's back. After six very lovely months without her, she came back with a video entitled Fall Vlog. Okay. Um, so it's like 13 minutes long. If you think that I watched it, I watched about 45 seconds. And then I just got the notes from those who did. So the first three minutes of this fall vlog are her obviously having to address the fact that she's not been on any social media platform for the last six months because she got run off of it over accusations of grooming and things like that. Um, and really the most embarrassing thing of all was that video, the music video with the ukulele. Um, so she does admit that that was embarrassing. Thank God. Um, but basically... <laughs> She just wanted to use this as a vehicle to come back. I mean, obviously, the girls got bills, okay? And they need to be paid. So people have gotten into her ass on uh, Twitter and social media, etc. And basically, they're just like, we see right through you. They are all theorizing. The reason why she came back this time is because YouTube's ad money goes up during the holiday season. I guess maybe people consume YouTube more. Maybe that's why a lot of vloggers do their, like, what do they call it? Vlogmas, where they where they vlog themselves every day. And it's just like, you're just rolling in the dough. Um, so I think a lot of people who do content like Colleen does, they make a lot of their money during the end of the year. So people clock that and are basically like, girl... You're trying to get in on this AdSense money, and we see right through you. And that's really it. I thought I was going to have more to talk about on that, but I really don't have feelings. I thought I was going to have a lot more feelings, and I just, I don't think I care. I don't think I care anymore. (laughs) And maybe that's the worst thing that could happen to a vlogger. You know, if a vlogger vlogs in the forest and nobody watches it, you know, however however you end that analogy, I, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it. So let's move on to our second girl, George Santos, stunt queen of 2023. She's back better than ever. 23 charges of the feds under her belt, her Hermes belt, I'm sure. And now he is officially uh, saying that he's not going to be seeking reelection because of you haters and losers. Always stay it in his on his neck and not leaving him alone. And also all of these ethics violations that they found. So should we just get into it? <laughs> you think it might be the uh, 23 federal felony charges of like conspiracy and wire fraud, falsification of records, aggravated identity theft. Didn't even know that was a thing. Credit card fraud. Even though you pled not guilty. That, that seems like maybe a reason not to seek reelection. But anyway, in addition to that, Homegirl has been, like, just whipping that card out. Spin, spin, spin. Hit him up style. Blue Cantrell. So during this ethics report, they really went down into how George 
took the money and ran down to the Hermes store, among other things. So they said on October 21st of 2022, 2022, Redstone's bank account. This is like a, like a, like a, a situation that's like they donate to, to people who are like seeking election. Right. So George would read it out to them in order to get money for them, like for ele- election campaigns. Right. So they received a $25,000, uh, wire. The $25,000 was transferred from the Redstone account to George's personal checking account, thinking that this was supposed to go to like campaign funds, but then it ended up in George's personal checking. On October 26th, this money got deposited on the 21st. On October 26th, um, they received another $25,000 wire fraud or wire account. So on that same date, $25,000 was transferred from Redstone to a different personal checking account owned by George. So that's now $50,000. So after the $50,000 from Redstone was deposited into uh, George's two personal accounts, funds were used to, among other things, pay down personal credit cards, rent, other debt, a $4,127.80 purchase to Hermes, and for smaller purchases like Sephora, meals and parking, and OnlyFans. They did not find any evidence showing that the contributions received from Redstone were used to support George's candidacy. In addition, um, he told the staff the only independent expenditure that was going to be helping the campaign was the NRCC doing their thing they would be doing for for young guns. And I don't call Redstone strategies. Like, basically, like he's just, like, talking shit. So they're saying that George would use they would get like fictitious loans from wealthy donors, but then use those donors, like in the and the good standing that they had, to get even more donations from other people, right? And then basically just used all that money and diverted it for his own use. Uh, there was another charges of like twenty two hundred eighty dollars in Atlantic City, um, where he liked to gamble and play roulette with his husband. Um, twenty nine hundred dollars that was labeled for Botox and. Uh, Another $6,000 spent at Ferragamo. Uh, There was a $3,300 rental property for the weekend in the Hamptons. Um, Just like wild stuff. Charges in Vegas when around the same time that George was supposed to be on his honeymoon. (laughs) Wild, wild stuff. In response to this, George says, if there was a single ounce of ethics in the ethics committee... Um, committee, they would not have released this biased report. Everyone who participated in this grave miscarriage of capital J justice should be ashamed of themselves. And then with regard to not seeking re-election, he says, my family deserves better than to be under the gun from all the press all the time. I will remain steadfast in fighting for my rights and for defending my name in the face of adversity. I'm humbled yet again and reminded that I'm human and I have flaws, but I will not stand by as I am stoned by those who have flaws themselves, I will continue on my mission to serve my constituents up until I'm allowed. <laughs> now, there have been three representatives who were also, like, trying to seek him getting the fuck out of the uh, house. But, you know, we're about to be on vacation, so those are going to happen next week. But what really gagged me is, per the opening line, uh, video, audio... That was from back in March, where he was being interviewed on Fox with somebody... He was like talking to him about OnlyFans and he was like, oh, oh, 
innocent old me. I just, I had just learned about OnlyFans. And even she couldn't fake it. Y'all heard her. Just can't help yourself from lying. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, and the juiciest part is there was a uh, lady, I think her name is Layla, who was an OnlyFans creator who said, LOL, he subscribed to me and I've rated his dick before. She didn't give what her rating was, but that's what she said. That's what she said. Anyway, let's move on. Talk about Sean Combs. <sighs> this always happens to me. Y'all know like a few weeks ago, there were, you know, when Tupac's uh, murder investigation ramped up and somebody was finally arrested for the in connection to the shooting, that a lot of people were like, hmm, Sean Combs. This the name on a lot of people's lips. And I thought, maybe I should talk about this because, you know, a break, a break in a Tupac shooting news is a huge story. Something in my mind said, wait, just wait a second. You're going to have something else to talk about. That's going to be more worth it. And I was right, and I wish I wasn't, because this is horrific. I mean, I feel like y'all know about this. So it's it's difficult for me, right? Because the case has been settled in a matter of 24 hours. And so because of that, I do want to give Cassie as the victim in this, like a little bit of dignity by not talking about it. But then it's also public that it's like, I don't know. But now that the case is closed, it's like, it's a bit of a limbo. You know what I mean? But I sat there and read that 35-page statement that Cassie made with the... I had never seen this before, a trigger warning on top of a lawsuit. Um, She filed civil federal charges, I believe, um, that were just, like, horrific. It was, like, riveting to read this because it was written like fiction. And I don't mean this, like, in the sense that, like, Obviously, I believe everything she said. He did that shit. He did more shit. And that's why he settled so quickly. Those are my beliefs. But it read, like, the tone of the writing was, like, fiction. More so than I would expect from, like, just a straightforward lawsuit. But it was, like, compelling. It really laid it out. How she met when he was 19. Well, she was 19. He was 37. She's in the beginning of her career. And he takes her under her wing. She did not want to be in a relationship with this man because he's basically twice her age. And yet, like, he ended up getting his gnarled fingers into her anyway and just, you know, was exerting his power, exerting his influence, drugging her, making her, uh, you know, like, drink when she didn't want to drink, imbibe in, in all these substances that she didn't want to do that eventually led her after their breakup, to have a substance abuse issue that she had to, like, go to rehab for. Um, the These tales of the, the FOs or the freak-offs of her having to, like, <laughs> basically be sexually assaulted by sex workers for, for his own sick pleasure... And, and having to wear white nail polish because he would only have her hire black sex workers. 
to contrast like the white against their black dicks like just the the fear of of um him forcing her to keep his gun in her purse as a way to make her be scared she's like i didn't know anything about guns i never i would just be like holding this thing in my purse being like i don't know if it's if the safety's on if this could just pop off like basically i got like a like a grenade in my purse and and the way he just ugh, just like treated her horrifically abused her um mentally physically emotionally just horrific horrific stuff and you know people put this into so much perspective for me because those two were in a relationship from what 20 2006 to like 2018 2019 all that time and people were like kind of like damn they're together for a long time and like many conversations when people are together and they're not married it's like well why won't he marry her knowing now that she never wanted to be in a relationship with this man in the first place and and like what happened to her career why didn't she pop off why was she a one-hit wonder like everybody else in bad boy i mean if, if it was just a random person on the label fair enough but she's in a relationship with this man and she's not getting any benefits why is she not released music why is she not popping off in the way she did me and you was like a huge song she definitely should have been like making more she really only made what like one album under him it just and a lot of people being like huh but like never really knowing the house of horrors that she was living in and these people who just allegedly just were just looking the other way he was just openly beating her in front of people who worked for him they're like convincing her to stay with him every time she tries to leave just horrific horrific stuff so Diddy came out that day saying that the claims were outrageous, saying this through his lawyer, saying that Cassie had been threatening him repeatedly to give her $30 million if, or else she was going to write a book, which he thought was blackmail. And so her attorney responds and says that actually Sean tried to pay her off to keep her quiet. And they're quoted as saying, Mr. Combs offered Miss Ventura eight figures to silence her and prevent the filing of this lawsuit. She rejected his offers and decided to give a voice to all women who suffer in silence. Miss Ventura should be applauded for her bravery. And she absolutely should. She absolutely should. Um, which brings me to a very great point. So regardless of whether or not she like wanted money and was telling she was going to write a book or, or he prevented her or he was like trying to give her hush money to prevent her from filing this lawsuit, which is what I really believe. Um, what we can take from that is that he knew and he had been knowing that this was going to come down the pike. And my question is, how long has he known? Because for me, I had been noticing some behavior that I was like, this doesn't feel right, but I don't know why. Because really, I don't follow Diddy. I don't really, like, know what he's up to. I just see him every now and again. Like, he usually pops up with a decent Halloween costume. And I knew he had this album come out. And I knew he was being 
he was honored at the BET Awards. In that award, he thanked Cassie for holding him down through the dark times, which is like, again, this was like, what, two months ago? Less than two months ago? So <laughs> why would you mention her after all this time when she told you not to speak about her publicly? Weird, right? And then I've been thinking that he had those twins and then the other one that came that same year, we don't need to get, well, we are going to get into that on the Patreon. I'm going to be talking about Diddy, not so much with relation to Cassie, but with relation to everything else that he's been accused of, People, what people have said, things of that nature. We're going to get into it on the Patreon this week, so make no mistake. Um, but my thing is that I have been feeling like He's really been um, debuting these three girls. The twins in particular, who were the twins to um, Kim Porter, who passed away in 2018, around the same time that he and Cassie broke up. Interesting, huh? So, my thing is that, like, I was like, hmm, he's really pushing this, like, I'm a doting father thing. And I, like, it was in my mind... And in my spirit, but I didn't have any reason to, like, put that two and two together until now. I'm like, oh, how long has he known that this lawsuit is coming down? He must be really positioning himself to be, like, a really great dad. In particular, to girls. Interesting, huh? So anyway... I have a lot of working out to do. I'm doing a lot of typing. There's a lot of pages that's going into Wednesday's episode. So y'all join me. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get deep. All right. And with that, you guys, it's fuck Sean Combs over here. They settled that lawsuit in 24 hours, which feels like... I'll say this. I feel very strongly that Cassie did not get the $30 million that she asked for in that lawsuit. I have a feeling she got way more. And shout out to you. So can I get a hell yes for Cassie and her bank account? Because I'm sure it's looking real nice now. Get yourself a nice little something. A couple nice somethings. Okay? Live it. Live your life, girl. You earned it. You earned it. And with that, y'all... Stay tuned for recaps of Welcome to Plathville, Selling Sunset, The Reunion, and Kardashians. I'm going to stop wishing for things to go back like they were at some point because it, it's just not going to happen. Mom and dad are getting divorced. Like me and Mariah aren't getting along right now. That probably isn't going to be resolved anytime soon. Olivia and the rest of my family, I don't know what will ever happen with that. So, yeah. Olivia does know I'm coming with you, right? Oh, yeah. She seemed cool with it. Yeah, uh, I think so. So you're saying he can't come here at all? No. He can stay somewhere else, but I don't want him here. I didn't say anything to Micah about Olivia's firm decision that Micah can't come by the apartment because I haven't fully decided what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to bring Micah by anyways, whether I'm going to tell Olivia that I'm going to bring him by, whether I'm going to tell Micah that he's definitely not allowed because I think that would make things worse. 
I've got a lot of brews going that are disastrous. All right, let's get into Plathville. I have a feeling that this might be the finale, or not the finale, the penultimate episode before the finale. I'm not sure, but I have a, a suspicion that it might be. Wink, wink. <laughs> but let's get into what happened in this episode. Micah and Ethan are on their road trip. They're in Nashville. Um, and Micah says that they've had a lot of tough conversations on that trip, but he's hoping that they can keep things a little bit lighter on that day. So Ethan starts talking about how well he thinks Barry, their dad, handled the divorce by not turning to alcohol and hitting the gym instead and really caring for the little girls, but how mom kind of gave him another blow by dating somebody while they're still married, which feels like maybe she gave Airplane Ken a blow. And maybe it was like an emotional one for Barry and and like a a sexual one for for Ken. But we don't have to get into that. But he just thinks it's like it's very wrong to date anybody while you're married, while you're in the process of divorce. He says, listen, if you sign that divorce document and five minutes later you want to start dating the person that you had your eye on, go ahead. But not a second before then. So then he says that, like, if Olivia started dating somebody before they got a divorce, he would be livid. Why? You don't seem to care about her. (laughs) Is it your ego? I think that's all it is. And then, so Micah says, like, their mom just didn't really have a good example in her own home of, like, healthy family. And in a confessional, he says... Kim grew up in a broken home. There was no joy, apparently, in her childhood. And how Kim is always focused on the lack of love from her father figure. So he thinks that maybe she's seeking that out, that male validation out through other men. Which, I I don't know. (laughs) This is where Micah tends to lose me. Um, Because Micah, I feel like your mom's trying to tell you that you didn't have the perfect childhood either. She just faked it with Barry until she couldn't anymore. And... Y'all seem to still want her to do that. But you want it to be real. But I don't know if it was ever real for her. So what you're looking for, I don't even know is possible. And if you can say, well, maybe because my mom didn't get love from her father that she's seeking validation from other men. I mean, the other side of that is that she was willing to be in a marriage for decades with somebody who didn't really emotionally, um, you know, fulfill her. And so... You know, what do we do with that, right? And then Micah says that he knows that it's normal or whatever, normalized these days for people to get divorced, but it's not how it's supposed to be, okay? And he's worried that Kim's decisions are going to affect the little girls down the road, which they are, but just because she's like an asshole, like her being married to your father wasn't going to change that. (laughs) We've seen your mother. That's not going to make a difference. So then Micah asks Ethan if... Olivia knows that he's on the road trip and Ethan's like, yes, she does. So then Micah asks if Olivia's okay with it. And he's like, yeah, I think so. Ethan says in a confessional that he has not said anything to Micah about Olivia not wanting him at the apartment because he still hasn't made up his mind as to whether or not he's just going to go for it anyway and bring her, him. After that, Barry comes to Tampa to see Mariah compete in a ballroom dancing competition. Something that ended up being, like, very... It was like, okay, well, we've got this footage and we'll use it. But it was basically just B-roll footage to Barry and uh, Kim talking about their dynamic and things like that. 
Mariah says that she hasn't seen Ethan in months and she feels really stuck. So then she tells Barry about her sending that text that was like, oh, I forgive you. And how it probably wasn't the best idea. She probably should have just started with like, hello. But she didn't know how other, like another way to break the ice. So then she says that every time she thinks about reaching out to Ethan, it feels like a thousand pounds of weight on her shoulder. And it probably shouldn't feel like that. But where she's stuck is that that's her brother. And like, what if he really needed her? And then she starts talking about, you know, their brother, Josh, who passed away. Obviously, they never expected for him to be gone. So she's thinking about that and is like, well, Josh was gone in a second. I would never be able to forgive myself if something happened to Ethan and we weren't speaking. But then she says, but in terms of Olivia, it's different. Okay, there's like a lot more damage between she and Olivia than between Ethan and herself. Kim shows up to Mariah's dance competition and she says that it's important that the kids see that she and Barry can be civil, but that's really easier to say when you're like the one that won, right? You know what I mean? Like oftentimes in a relationship breakup, there's a person who wins. And that really means like, I'm using air quotes when I say wins, like the person who like moves on faster typically moves on to another relationship faster so like i think it's very easy you know like you're getting dicked down girl like it's all love and light for you because the serotonin is rushing through your brain you know but maybe it's not that easy for your ex-husband handsome squidward not that i really want to give him like a whole lot of empathy because i do feel like he's he's not getting like i don't know I, like, I think he's getting a lot of credit for, like, maintaining the family, keeping the girls together, like, having the family household and, like, you know, keeping them lousy and, and kombucha, you know, all day and all night. But I don't think the kids ever think about, like, what Kim, why Kim left. It's just like, well, dad's still here. And I think that's really just kind of how it works in a lot of cases, it's going to take them a while to realize that there were like solid reasons for Kim to leave. Lydia says in a confessional that personally, she does not think it's the right decision for her mom to be dating right now, but that's just her point of view. It's not her life. That sort of thing. Right. And then Barry says that for the sake of the kids, he can be around Kim. Like he can be around her and be civil. But on the other hand, Kim is making personal choices in her life that he does not condone. Mostly Ken. He does not condone or agree with Ken, but it's happening. And there are times where he's like happy to move forward and, and it might look like he's dealing with things, but there are other times where he's just like angry at Kim. So a producer asks Barry if he's met Ken and he's like, um, when it comes to Kim and her life, that's her jurisdiction and none of my business. Next question. <laughs> But there's like a very good re. I mean, I think the answer to that would be yes. I think the answer, because you would just say no, if, if no, you know. <laughs> so then Kim says that she knows that Barry's not happy that she's seeing somebody, but they're separated. They've been separated for a year now. She's been unhappy for a long time. So to meet somebody that does make her happy, like she's following her bliss, right? She does not think it's too soon. And in fact, she thinks it's long overdue. So back to Ethan and Micah. They're now five hours out from Minnesota. 
Ethan is still pretending like he has no clue what the plans are going to be with regard to Olivia, knowing damn well she does not want Micah in her home. So then he says, um, did I tell you that Olivia is not really, uh, how do I put it, uh, thrilled at you coming over to the apartment? And Micah goes, uh, no, you did not tell me that, but I'm actually really cool with not seeing her because I'm not up here to talk to Olivia. In a confessional, Micah says, he basically, this would not be him. He would not be in a position where his brother couldn't stay at the house. Like, this would never be how he ran his household. But how he does things is very different than Olivia. Ethan says that there were times where he would prioritize prioritize Olivia because he wanted her back and he, like, he loved her. But he also wondered if, on the other hand, he was neglecting the family And how it doesn't need to be that way. But, like, you're kind of making the situation worse. You know? (laughs) So, I don't really know how much empathy we're going to throw it your way, Ethan. So, Ethan, who has been, like, actively avoiding and been, like, a real reason why there's been a lot of miscommunication or no communication within um, the family with regard to the Olivia and him situation says that he thinks that the best idea is just for everybody to sit down at a table, air out their grievances, and just end it without bringing things up again. And I think maybe he watched that Seinfeld episode with (laughs) Festivus, and he saw George's dad and was like, airing of grievances. They're sitting around a table and just screaming at each other. I want that. I hope you guys have cameras up when you do that because we've really never seen, I haven't gotten the feeling of exhilaration back till that from like the season one finale when um, Ethan stopped Barry in the in the driveway and almost pushed him. He was like, oh, hey, hey guy. You know, that, that very tense moment. <laughs> Let's bring that back. Okay. Let's bring that old feeling back. So then Micah, notices on his phone that he missed a call from Mariah. So he calls her back. So he turns on the speaker and like, obviously Mariah knows that Ethan is with Mike or Mike is with Ethan at this point. Right. So she's like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird breaking the ice, but I'm willing to try. And she tells Ethan that the reason why she blocked him is because she was trying to stand up for herself, but it's not that she doesn't want to talk to him. She just doesn't want to be yelled at per se. Ethan says in a confessional that for Mariah to say that he yelled at her the last time they spoke is honestly a little bit dishonest and exaggerated. But he's like really more annoyed because going back to last summer, it's basically just been one thing after the other with the social media posts, the Mariah moving without telling them. She's taking forever to follow up on bills. She's been accusing Olivia of stealing her music. And then when he tries to ask her about it, she won't return his phone calls and then she'll block him for weeks at a time. And it's just like extremely irritating for him. But Ethan says to Mariah, you have to understand that I'm upset for a reason and I'm waiting for an apology for you from you. But Mariah says, but I'm not going to apologize for something that I'm not sorry for. So she brings up the fact that Ethan told her Uh, you know, like if you can't pay me back for the rent that you owe me, it sounds like he got petty and was like, oh, uh, here's a list of all the things that I've done for you over the years for free. All the sweat equity that I've given you by like changing the oil in your car and stuff like that. Pay me back for that then, girl. 
So she says, listen, like, I appreciate you doing all that stuff for me during the time because I genuinely did not have the money to pay for those things. Was I want to know, like, what, what time period was this where you were so broke? Because you're sitting in this, like, cute loft in Tampa and you're talking about how you can't pay me rent and how you couldn't afford things. And I'm just like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just very confused about Mariah. Ethan tells her, I did those things because I cared about you. And Olivia cares about you too. Neither of us did anything for you as a power trip. And then we get back from Europe. You moved without even telling me. And then the deal with your music, you're accusing Olivia of stealing it. And then the mo- and also the money that you made from the music. So I'm just supposed to be okay with whatever I did for you. And then you accuse my wife of stealing. So Mariah says that she just freaked out about the music stuff. Because honestly, she didn't remember that Olivia had put the songs onto her account. And she overreacted and she's sorry. So Ethan says, great, I forgive you for that. Micah says in a confessional that neither one of them are really in touch with their emotions. But Mariah is on one side of the spectrum where she's overly emotional and Ethan's like a robot. So it was really frustrating for him to like literally be sitting in the middle and emotionally be sitting in the middle because they need to be where he's at and they're not. (laughs) I just wish that we could get like more insight because a lot of the season has been the like us hearing the results of things that didn't happen on camera and so like we're navigating things and then like Mariah's blocking people so we're and then she doesn't really I think she I think Micah or uh Ethan no Micah I think Micah's right when he says that she works at extremes I think she is like highly emotional and she's like I have to do this thing right now and impulsive and then she comes down and is like oh that was actually like maybe a little bit more inflammatory than I had wanted it to be but then she's done nothing to like like she just wants an apology or or an acceptance of her behavior immediately when she's ready for it but then she has to sit there looking stupid because people aren't going to be ready to like embrace you with arms wide open when you've been blocking them over and over texting them saying that you forgive them and then when they ask why you block them again like i would be very annoyed with that too cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So then we get to the social media posts and Ethan tells Mariah, you really shouldn't have expected us to speak to you after you guys all dropped that social media post. And Mariah's like, well, Olivia can't expect to tell the story and lie about my family and expect us not to speak out. So Ethan asks Mariah, what did she lie about? What did Olivia lie about? And Mariah says, well, the credit card thing, you know, that's not true. And Ethan goes, Yes, it is. You can't use somebody else's credit card. What mom was doing was that she was making money off of us. And when mom threw a fit, when uh, Olivia tried to get things in line, you know, like that was it. She, she went crazy. He said, have you ever thought to ask Olivia for her side of the story or me? So then Mariah's like, well, I just think this whole thing is messed up. And like, you know, why is family like this? Because it's been years now. It's like, no, you have to answer for that. Like, you really do. So Micah finally says it. It seems like our family is a pattern of people not talking directly to each other, but talking to other people about other people. So we don't hear what Mariah says, but we do see Ethan basically just go catatonic. Like he's pissed off and he's not even hearing her. And he says, I couldn't even handle Mariah saying all that stuff. And then she started crying and it was like too much for him. This is the last thing on earth I want to deal with. So he like makes an excuse of like we're we're going to get breakfast he like pulls over to the side of the road and just like jumps out so mariah is like well don't forget that i love you and you matter to me and i know there's a lot of bullshit going on but you know I, and i don't know when we're gonna speak again but like just don't forget that and he's like all right bye and then micah's like well i think he's pretty pissed off <laughs> so then micah gets a text message once they get back in the car from olivia actually Asking if they can meet up, just the two of them, and talk one-on-one. So Mike is like, uh, nah, I really don't want to meet up with her. I'm only up here for the day. I'm not really trying to spend it, like, hashing things out in a situation that I don't think can actually be rectified. So he makes a plan, and he tells Ethan, I'm just going to text her back and say, Hey, Olivia, I'm happy to see you. Um, if you guys want to hang out, we're going to the bar. But I don't really want to do like a one-on-one conversation. Like, but I'm happy to see you. So Ethan, once Micah tells him that, he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like, I'm not going to force you, whatever. But like, you do this with Olivia and it's all like, oh, well, what she won't do and how she won't acclimate to my family and this, that, and the third. But when Ethan's like, or yeah, Micah's like, I don't want to do that. Ethan's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. But it should be a problem. Or it doesn't have to be a problem, or at least should not be as much of a problem. For, like, if it's not a problem for Ethan, Micah, <laughs> then it shouldn't be a problem for Olivia when she wants boundaries, too. I'm also not sure why this would be surprising information for Ethan, because Olivia's already basically cut off her own parents. So why do you think that she would be that motivated to maintain a relationship with your parents? Who she probably maybe even has a worse relationship with. 
So then we see Olivia FaceTime her sister Lydia Grace and tells her about the text message that she sent to Micah and how he responded that he just wanted to keep things light and hang out as a group. But that doesn't work for her. So in a confessional, she says, I honestly don't see Micah and I ever having a relationship again. And I don't think I want one either. But after eight years of friendship, it was just kind of like a flip switched overnight. And I would at least like to see some closure with him. So she tells Lydia I'm not down to just hang and kick it with people who for the past few years have not wanted any sort of relationship with me. They've treated me shitty. I haven't spoken to any of them since that social media post. None of the Plath kids. So I just think that would be really weird. So she tells Lydia, like, maybe I'm just being dramatic, but to spend a year talking shit about somebody and then just be like, oh, let's keep it light and have a drink. Like, like nothing's happened in the past five months. It just seems like a real slap in the face. So Lydia's like, girl, I, I understand. Would you be okay with drawing a line in the sand with Ethan with regarding the family, even if it meant affecting your relationship with Ethan? And Olivia says, yeah, because before he left, he told me that if he had known that all of this drama would go down between her and the family, basically he never would have continued dating her, wouldn't have gotten married, would have just left it at that. So Lydia's like, oh, how does that make you feel? And she's like, I feel like I've been the scapegoat for the family. And I've felt that way for the past six years. So then she says, I just wonder, like, if I need to keep trying. And I know that, like, Mike is texting this stuff while he's with Ethan. But I'm not hearing from Ethan. I'm not getting any compassion from him in this moment. Like, he's up there supporting his brother, but where's the support for me emotionally as a wife you know which is exactly what I was saying like he's got all the smoke for her but then it's like woo 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 love and light when it comes to his family and then she says it feels like every time Ethan goes back to Georgia he goes to his family his communication goes out the window there's secrets there's dishonesty and I really don't understand because if it was my family treating Ethan the way that his family treats me, I would go above and beyond to make sure that he felt protected in our relationship. And then she tells Lydia, like, I really like talking to you because I feel like I'm looking at your relationship and you're kind of setting the bar for me and what I want in my relationship. And I keep thinking, like, I just get hurt a lot. And that there really isn't a lot of honesty or compassion or communication. And I don't want that. I don't want that. So I'm excited about this week's episode. We'll see. We'll see. Whew. First of all, say whatever you want about me. I'm a tough bitch, but don't go after my partner ever. Listen, I will own it. I've been a bitch to you. I hate you. I own it. But the difference is, I do. You can't say, I, I don't care that it's not nice. I do hate you. And I know you hate me. If you're going to... I don't hate if, anyone. If, I don't... I don't. If you're I don't going to listen, if you're going to literally go to homophobic people and cheer them on because they hate me for that reason, that is That's hate, not what I was yes, Okay, so last week, Selling Sunset had their, what, hour and 20 minute long reunion that could have been... Third, <laughs> you know, I was going to say 30, but my mo my mouth wants to say 13. So sometimes you just got to lead into what your mouth says, because that's what really comes out with the truth. It really should have been 13 minutes long. <laughs> but we're going to get into very quickly what happens. First of all, starting with 
see these ladies walk out was shady because the set is like you walk out there's a couple steps down before you get into the stage where the seating is so you know these women wear like the tiniest little heels possible so we have to watch all of them just kind of (laughs) like nervously like walk on the stairs and hope that they don't break an ankle (laughs) next time can we at least get um somebody not jason or briggs i don't know like how who are they gonna help if one of them falls it's all over but could we get like a like a fully grown man? Romaine, why did why didn't Romaine help them down the stairs? Could we get an escort? Tan, Tan, the host could have helped. Um, okay, so Tan, listen, I I I like Tan. I think I don't know if Tan Fran, the host, is necessarily a distinction that is. Listen, he's got this Netflix deal, so I think it'll work for him on Netflix. It seems like he wants to be the Andy Cohen of Netflix. I don't need that, personally. I don't think... Just wasn't really curling all the way over for me, personally. But that's fine. He still did a good job. So, good job. We did a B. A solid B. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what the T is with Tan and, and Bobby... And all the all the boys down to the queer eye because it sounds like Bobby is leaving, but it sounds like uh, he didn't get along with anybody else. But I have questions because Bobby um, was the only one who really did the work, and maybe it was just that he was too busy trying to make like you know lemonade out of lemons, and you know Anthony's got all the time in the world making chickpea pesto or whatever. And telling her, and and Karamo's just like, hey, stick in there, kid, and pats him on the back. Bobby's doing every goddamn thing. Maybe that's the issue. But anyway, this is about Selling Sunset. Starting with Tana asking Chrishell and Mary if they ever saw Jason put baby powder on his balls. Apparently this came up during the season. I missed it, thank God. Mary says that, yeah, she did. But Chriselle says, and Jason say, that she didn't experience that because he stopped before they started dating. And he, yeah, so he doesn't do it anymore because it's messy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chriselle says that she and G had a, a vow renewal officiated by Emma Zempanadas wearing a denim bikini with the cowboy boots, which actually was a pretty vibey look. Emma, one thing about Emma Zempanadas is she's like a little bit like Chriselle in the sense that I just see like wannabe L Woods, but then here she is like at a, at a marrying her bestie with her non-binary partner in, in a sexy little denim bikini. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeehaw, bitch. Like I'm here. I'm here for it. And this is a lesson in like, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover because Emma really looks like, you know, like a Fox News wet dream. You know what I mean? Like she just, she just looks the part, but she's not giving that. And I'm appreciative. But anyway, so I don't think that they're actually still legally married. But whatever. She and Nicole, Chriselle and Nicole get into it about like basically everything. But this time, apparently what happened is that somebody went to Nicole's Instagram. And they were like, Ugh, get that annoying lesbian off the show, like talking about Chriselle. And uh, oh, by the way, you look great. And Nicole responded, thank you. With a heart emoji. And so everybody is like, do you understand how when somebody says something homophobic, because this is what she was called, when they compliment you at the end of said homophobia, 
and you don't check them and say, hey, that's not cool, but like, thanks for being nice to me, or just, you know, don't respond to them at all, or, you know, delete it, delete the comment all entirely because, you know, homophobic, that it gives the implication that you're co-signing homophobia, Nicole. And here's what I wonder with Nicole is like, is this intentional? Like, is she being like, like, what do they call it? Crazy like a fox? Or is she genuinely this ignorant? Either she's ignorant or she wants people to think that she is. And if that's your only strategy, girl, for being on the show, I just think that the show is not for Nicole. Like, I think she's weighing it over her head. She can't argue with people. She can't go toe-to-toe. She never eats. And I don't mean, like, physically eating. Like, I mean, like, like she ate that. She never eats starving like Aaron's house over at New York there's no eating that ever happens and so like I just I I don't know why she came back on this show because this is now season two of her being absolutely embarrassed and embarrassing and that's sad baby that's sad and then Chriselle tells her she hates her And Amanda's like, girl, that's a little far. Like, do you want to walk that back? Like, what do you mean when you say hate? Because that that word is really deep for me. So, like, maybe you need to explain it. She's like, I just don't think that I ever want to communicate with her unless I'm contractually obligated to. That's what I mean. So we moved on. So it's revealed exactly what Brie was upset about. Because in the last, in the finale, she was talking to Jason about her cut and getting a smaller cut. I don't know what I thought this would be, but she tells us at the reunion that she came from a brokerage that did a 90-10 split, meaning she took home 90%, the brokerage took home 10%, and that the O group, Jason and Brett will take anywhere between 30 and 50% of the sale or what the agent's fee would be. Again, I need you guys to walk me through what it is that y'all are getting from the O group that would justify the 20 to 40% fee that they get more than any other agent. Like, what are we getting? Is it that you guys are on the show? Wink, wink. Like, are those the advantages? I'm still winking, but y'all can't see me. So I don't know why I'm winking. (laughs) Is it, what is it? Because I just feel like we were getting into it. And they asked, like Tan does ask, the rest of the ladies, do you guys also feel some type of way about the take home? And he asked Mary and she says, yeah, this has been a point of contention between Jason and I for years. It'll come up every now and again. But then, you know, like we just realize we're family and like we love each other. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm kind of with Brie here. She's like, I get it now. But at the time I wasn't family. So I wasn't really feeling this like friends and family cut too much. She also said she's not sure if she's going to stay on the show still, so we don't know. We don't know. Tan introduces a clip package with Mary Lou and Chriselle fighting, not getting along, and he's like, okay, guys, and here's Mary Lou. And she actually comes out, it it seems like people are like, genuinely did not think that she was there. They're like, oh, we thought you were joking. (laughs) She comes out, much like Nicole, she and Nicole are friends because Tweedledee and Tweedledum here. So what we get from this conversation with Mari Lou is that basically she didn't really have an issue with Chriselle 
until the cameras went up and she basically made that her storyline and Rochelle's like yeah don't do that anymore. don't do it don't do that for whatever reason, they decide to bring out a lie detector test. Like, this is why we didn't need to do this. The lights are going down like it's an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Brie takes the lie detector first. She does say that Michael B. Jordan was not good in bed. And now, like, I didn't, we didn't have to hook up a lie detector to know that. Like, why would I think Michael B. Jordan is good in bed? Have you seen that, man? <laughs> No, I, I didn't even think that for a second. You would strap me up to it. I'll tell you the truth. Then they make Nicole take a turn and Tan asks if she was coming for Chrishell for screen time. Nicole says no, which they determine is true. Tan asks Chrishell what she thinks about that. She goes, uh, well, if that's true, then what were you doing? <laughs> that's what I mean. She, Nicole gives her an opportunity to like just peg her down every time. And she does. She does. So then they ask Chrishell, once she gets up to the plate, who's better in bed, G Flip or Jason? There were so many questions that were like, how do I say this? I feel like they were inappropriate. A lot of them were like sexual. A lot of them were like with Chrishell and, and sex and stuff. And I how do I keep it cute and say this? I don't feel like if a straight man hosted that, that they would have been asking those questions. And I don't think it matters what the man's sexuality is when you're just like asking about other people's sexuality and their actual sexual activity. I just think that it was inappropriate and there, there's just like very weird questions. I wish that I had like come up with an, like giving you guys examples, but the questions were like, these are like invasive. And I just, <sighs> let me know if you guys felt the same, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Well, I mean, going back to this example of asking Grishel who's better in bed, G Flip or Jason, like what? Like imagine if that was um, like Jerry O'Connell asking that question or, or uh, you know, Nick Lachey. Like that would be wild. <laughs> But, like, if we really want to get shady here, like, we know the answer is G-Flip. Even if, even if Chriselle was not married to G, we would still know that the answer is G-Flip. <laughs> like, I, I could answer that for you. Just like Michael B. Jordan. Then they bring out some of the Selling the OC cast to premiere their trailer that's coming up for their near season where Hall and Tyler have already broken up. Hall is accusing Tyler of swooning her and then disappearing. If y'all didn't know, Tyler announced like a month ago that he left the O group to go back to his daddy's real estate firm. So I'm guessing whatever love bombing he did with Alex didn't work out. And he just like, well, it's like, well, I got to back up. My dad's rich and in the exact field that I'm in. So, bye. <laughs> and then Hall says that Tyler has her blocked on social media. Bitch, what happened? What happened? <laughs> then we get to Amanda's package and her ups and downs with Chriselle. And we find out that even though we saw them make up at the finale, they're now back to being in weird footing with each other. Amanda says it's because Chriselle like we saw on the show, offered to compensate Amanda for the work that she did on G Studio. Amanda goes on and on about 
the efforts that were made. And basically, it sounds like Amanda came onto the show as a designer. And I think she is like, okay, well, now I want to really go back into design full time. What I was picking up is that Amanda was like, this is going to be my opportunity on the show. I'm going to be calling in favors. I'm going to be working with designers. I'm going to be getting free stuff. And I thought all of this was going to be on the show until, and this is where she's not taking accountability for the fact that you drunkenly faced or drunkenly took a video to send to Chriselle to tell her that unless her leg was broken, that she didn't understand why she was at this dinner in Mexico on a work trip. Like we're missing that step in, in the accountability part of why we got here. So like, I'm sorry that you felt like this was going to be your storyline for the show and you were going to get this big reveal and you were going to get all these jobs, but you should have thought about that before you let the Casamigos take over and sent me this video telling me where I need to be. Like you're my mama. So you should have thought about that, Amanda. Sorry. So then, you know, like she's talking about, like, I was up until five o'clock in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And this, that, and the future, like, and this, that, and the third. And Amanda tells Chriselle, like, she tells us that Chriselle reached out to her about an amount of money. And it was just like, hey, I want to, you know, compensate you. Amanda hit her back with a number. She said, well, okay, I think you should give me $11,000 for my work. A couple days later, Chriselle counters back and says, well, we'll give you $5,000 and just take the mood board that you gave us. And Chriselle says, basically, the issue was that they weren't going to be able to work with anything that Amansa gave them anyway, because... They didn't like what Amanda did. They thought the designs were trash. And the way she described it is like red and black. (laughs) Whatever. It it sounds like she thought it was like real tacky. And it wasn't like, oh, I'll pay you for all this work. And then I'm going to give the work to another designer. It was like, no, we'll just pay you for what you did. We're not going to keep any of this stuff. But like, you did make this mood board. And, you know, we'll give you compensation for that. So I guess Amanda felt like this was like wildly unfair and she took the money anyway, but then ended up blocking Chriselle after that because she says, I don't even like hearing the sound of her voice because it's too triggering for me. Amanda, I need you to like talk to somebody because this whole thing this season has been less... You're upset about uh, your designs not being shown, but what is being shown is your abandonment issues and and how you're expecting Chriselle to be your sister and, and best friend and everything and all these employees, co-workers. These people are co-workers, Samantha. They are co-workers. They are not your family. And maybe you need to stop watching Fast and the Furious. Maybe Vin Diesel has, you know, said too many speeches in front of a Honda, uh, you know, whatever, a souped up Honda. And it's got you thinking that, like, if we work together, we can also be this family and nothing's going to break us apart. And it's just not really like that. Like, you can't make family out of coworkers. At the end of the day, 
Chriselle wants to be able to like pop over to you know Sydney and hang out with G Flip whenever she feels like it. And you, Amanda, can't be crying about how you were abandoned. Y'all are in an individualistic career anyway. <laughs> so it's not like it's not like you're all putting your um your agent's fees into a company coffer and it, you know it's like at the end of the day we're like we're all putting our tips together and we're getting paid out evenly like no, it's not even that like we're not even working for a greater good the greater good that you guys are working for are for to keep jason and brett in these little gucci heels and prada sweaters and that's it and i'm sorry that your family sucks because it sounds really horrific but you can't force family on anybody even your own family so she's really got to learn that lesson and not take things so personally. And that's my hope for Amanda next season. All right, guys, let's end this with Kardashians. I'm really not here to judge. I don't have any, like, anger. Just more like I'd want, like, an understanding of, like, how you could do these things or how it got there. Mm-hmm. Like, I am curious just as to, like, I wonder if Tristan ever is, like, I don't have remorse. No, so <laughs> that's, that's fair. The next day after you like do the deed, like, do you feel anything? For me personally, when, when I, when I yeah. cheat, I feel disgusted the next day. But then, so then why do you do it again? All right, let's talk about Kardashians. Courtney has a 44th birthday party at a bowling alley. I guess we're supposed to act like it's not completely obvious that she's pregnant. Like, your stomach is out. You're wearing crushed velvet, babe. Like, we see it. Chloe picks her up to take a picture and spins her around, and Courtney's like, stop spinning me around. And Chloe's like, why? She goes, because I'm fragile. (laughs) Okay. Then we find out when Kim gets there that she's got this hobby of going online to find clever greeting cards. And so she's very proudly showing us. Um, she found one that says, I'm proud to call you sister. Hopefully it makes up for all the other things I called you. In a confessional, Courtney says that she used to have no feelings, which I'm like, and now we said it. Finally, we're because y'all know I was ranting and raving about how Courtney wants to have everything in the sense of like, she wants to be a total bitch to people for years. Do the work. And then pop up one day and be like, you guys are all disgusting. I can't handle this toxic family. And act like you're not the one who was putting all the ham hocks and greens into the pot. And now you're mad at Kim for stirring and seasoning. You know? Speaking of, because since it's uh, Thanksgiving week, do you guys have that one... What's your one dish that, like is always served even though people really don't want it because my family well like when i'm there for thanksgiving we in recent years have been diverting away from a traditional thanksgiving i don't know if you guys have uh, virgos in your family but love and light to you (laughs) because they're very set in their ways and so my sister despite not having turkey for i don't know how many years every year we talk about what's going to be on the Thanksgiving menu. I don't want to have turkey anymore. I don't think she's had turkey since 2013. But I wouldn't know. I honestly don't know. But she hasn't had it in a while. But she acts like she's so... I can't do it. <laughs> but anyway, the other thing is the greens. The greens are a thing that we all agree 
we all agree that we only want like a little bit of. I just want like a taste. I want like three bites of greens and then I want to decline from there in the leftovers, you know, because when you get to the leftovers, it's like you're getting to just the all-stars, just the Avengers. I just want the good stuff, right? So if I want three bites of greens um, or maybe four on Thanksgiving, I want like one or two in my leftover plate. You know what I mean? So here's the thing, like everybody in the family agrees that they only want like five bites worth of greens. Now, why every year does my mother make a pot of greens for the whole goddamn neighborhood? And then we just have greens left over and that's the only leftover. And then it's like, we're sitting here looking stupid. Not me. Cause every year I say you make too many greens and then she makes the same amount of greens and then same debacle has to happen every freaking year. So anyway, that's not happening this year. I commandeered the menu. I will be making mac and cheese. I will be making a dessert that is yet to be determined three days before Thanksgiving, <laughs> four days before Thanksgiving. Still don't know what I'm making. And, um, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to have ribs instead of turkey and keep it cute. I'm excited. Honestly, I can't even remember how I started this conversation. <laughs> But let's go back to Courtney. Oh, the green. Okay, the greens now. I got it. I got it. So Courtney says that she used to have no feelings, right? She used to say the meanest things. Might be like, oh, like you're so fucking cellulite fat shaming Kim, screaming in the high school halls that Kim has big saggy tits in front of all the boys. And so Kim would walk away crying, you know, things like that. So Courtney's storyline is about from here on out about how she didn't want to have this birthday party, how she's never going to have a birthday party again. She didn't get to bowl. She didn't play in any of the arcade games. It's draining to say hello to people instead of having fun. So thank you. That's, that's a great storyline. You don't want to be here. You don't want to do this ever again. They get to the cake, cake, what? <laughs> cake cutting. Rain asks if she can blow out the candles by burping them out. This kid really stresses me out. <laughs> he really stresses me out. God bless him. Kim gets her first script for American Horror Story. She's looking through the lines with Scott. They're just like hanging out, kicking it, right? So she's telling him about her schedule. She's going to have to fly to New York to film for the next four months. They're filming like three episodes a week or something. And that her character is like a PR person with no emotion. So to channel that, she's um, going with Courtney. And her right-hand woman, Tracy. And then she talks about how she had a conversation with Salma Hayek about, I guess, people were saying that the role of this that Kim took should have gone to Salma instead. I don't know why. This was like an online thing. So she reached out to Salma Hayek to be like, oh, this is what people are saying. And Salma was like, don't worry about it, girl. Maybe everything in your life has led up to this moment and you're actually meant to be an actress okay <laughs> okay this is what people say when she's married to a billionaire y'all like she doesn't give a fuck no no skin off ryan murphy money is not gonna touch what her husband has okay and she's got a baby with that man she's good then scott tries to uh, con kim into getting an apartment in new york or a house in new york and tells her that she has to pay 90% and he'll pay 10%, which is honestly generous. I was watching uh, Sister Wives and there was a commercial 
featuring Scott Disick for the Hotel Collection diffusers line. Um, I guess they're just like automatic diffusers. <laughs> just, you know, like we've been on a real journey with Scott Disick, like closing my eyes and thinking about him in a suit looking like, um, you know, American Psycho shoving a $100 bill into a waiter's mouth in Las Vegas as, you know, Adrian Bailon looks horrified. And then he's like walking around a, a set trying to pretend like he's smelling the delicious scents of a hotel collection diffuser. <laughs> and I just feel like the times they are changing. They really are. <sighs> then that man comes back on on our screens dressed like a like a weird Brussels sprout. It's Tristan. And she's like, oh, hey, Tristan, I guess you're just in my house. That's normal. Now we're having to hear this thing about how Tristan's been doing the work. He's gone to therapy, and now he wants to have conversations with different members of Chloe's family to work things out. But she's not going to be involved in it. They're just one-on-one conversations. So Tristan says that, honestly, years ago, he probably didn't even know the damage that he had caused by, you know, repeatedly cheating on her. And Chloe tells him that, look, everybody in my family is entitled to their feelings because it's not just a small thing that happened. But time's gone by. What's done is done. And she says, you know, our son's here and your your son is here. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I need to, her to keep it, like, 75% cuter, girl. Like, I know this hurts for you. I know it's got to hurt. But you got to keep the vitriol out of your voice when you're talking about the actual child. Because that's not his fault. It's Tristan. You speak more kindly towards this towards this man who made the child behind your back than towards the child who didn't ask to be in this situation at all. Like, they're not going to know their father. They're going to see the headlines about how badly his dad did not want him and the situation that he was born into. Like, maybe just keep it a little bit nicer, you know? In the meantime, you were really giving him screen time to talk about how healthy and healed he is. He won't even acknowledge that child. How much work has he done? It's so crazy to me. Like, I'll never wrap my mind around... If I was dating a dude... Or was with a dude who had children that he just did not acknowledge or see or attempt to see? Does that not... Is that not weird to you, girl? Like, 
I don't know. Like, I don't see how she doesn't see how transparent this is. Like, he's only doing the work, the minimal amount of work that he has to do to get back in your bed. That's all this is. Wake up. Stand up. We find out that Tristan has had private conversations with Kim, Chris, and Rob. They're all fine. Courtney and Kylie are willing to talk. We'll we'll mention Kendall in a second here. Tristan says that he's really never had a conversation with Courtney about anything. Ever. Like, it's just been kind of like, oh, we're at a party, you know, pleasantry kind of stuff. But he had a relationship with Kylie. They were friends. And Chloe tells him, this is probably going to be a more productive conversation, a better conversation for you to have with Kylie. So Tristan says, you know, if somebody had told me, like, do you think Kylie misses Jordan? I would say, yeah, probably. And I feel bad about that, especially be the the older one. And he talks about how, like, you know, being an elder statesman or something. (laughs) I wouldn't even call myself that. You're like 32, Tristan. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, you were older. Elder statesman to me um, belies some level of dignity and respect. And um, you don't qualify. Not for that, babe. But Chloe does tell him that Kylie, she and Jordan have been good for a while. And it's like, fine. It's like, well, I I really don't know what that means. It means that you stopped tweeting about her. I think that. So then he says, you know, sometimes it's easier to just like sit in your own shit than to get up and wipe it off. And that honestly sounds like a personal problem, Tristan. That sounds horrible to just sit in it. Disgusting. You stink. Nobody wants to be around you. Why wouldn't you just clean it up instead of just sitting there? That that's, that's not a good analogy. Anyway, Kim goes to New York and she's got a bunch of stuff to do. Like she's shooting for the time cover for Skim. She's doing a bunch of interviews. Shout out to uh, Aaron Aaron Leachy because at one point Kim does go to her uh, house and she asks the agent, "Is this a nice area?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, it's Tribeca. It's the best." So, Jessel, take note. Kylie comes over to Chloe's house and Chloe tells her. That the other day, Kylie, or Kendall was at the house, or she was going over to her house. Tristan happened to be at the house. Kendall was coming over. He said something about, like, oh, I want to say hi to Kendall. <clears throat> Excuse me. Chloe was like, oh, no. Maybe you just go ahead. And so he put two and two together. And she eventually tells him, like, Kendall doesn't really like you very much. And he was like, oh, well, I want to talk to her, too. So Chloe tells Kylie, going into this conversation, if you want to talk to him... There doesn't have to be closure, but, like, how can there be progress if you guys don't speak at all? Kylie says that she's good, but she's also probably sure that Tristan heard what she said about the show, on the about him on the show last season, or maybe two seasons ago, where she says, I think it's just really fucked up that he knew that he had another baby on the way with somebody else, and that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to put somebody in that position, especially when there is a child involved. That's just really unforgivable in my books. So Kylie says that it's really confusing for her because she likes Tristan as a person. But she's having to separate this person from what he's done. And then they start going in on him in a way that I'm like, finally, Chloe, let's really talk some shit. Because she's like, yeah, it's like, who are you? And then the biggest mindfuck in all of this is he could do and be all of these great things, but he couldn't be that for me. And then they keep talking about his dingling. You know, he's just taking his dingling out and putting it in another dingalinga. And then he's shaking his dingling here, shaking it there, swinging his dingling around like a parasol. 
That one made me giggle. This is the first time that Chloe's really said some shit about Tristan. I'm like, finally. Finally. Then we head back to New York. And I was about to get bored with Kim's storyline of being like, I've overbooked myself. Until she gets to the day show. Because she looks tired. And she says in an interview that she is tired. But then she goes out after the interview to go, like, you know, people tend to wait outside and, you know, the fans or whatever. So she goes over to the fan section at, like, 30 Rock. And she seems really out of it. Like, she looks like she's not there. And she's, like, talking in this weird Meredith Marks, I took a pill in Ibiza kind of voice. Like, like she speaks in italics. You know, like, when Dorinda gets, like, three and a half margaritas in, it's like, <laughs> Like it was like that, you know, like she's like, hey guys, you know, there's, it's going to be a Skims men's line. Just just so you know, it's coming up guys. (laughs) Kim says she's a confessional that she has no recollection of any of this. She's asking people if she can go to the Tiffany store. They're letting her in for like a private tour. She's just like looking around. (laughs) You can tell in her eyes that something's off like truly this is not something like you would not see Kim doing this she must be mortified and I'm also like wondering if maybe this might be a situation of us getting ahead of the story because I didn't say this but I said that I saw on TikTok a lot of people who said that they use Xanax and that looks like she was coming off a pill that's all I'm gonna say I don't know that I'm just repeating what people who do know said. Okay? All right. We're going back to Calabasas, okay? Because Tristan goes over to Kylie's house to talk. And he says, you know, I kind of feel like maybe you were the one who sort of most affected by the situation. Because you lost a sister in Jordan. And, like, I know how much she meant to you. And you guys were, like, two peas in pod. And I kind of feel like I put myself in the situation that wasn't right. It wasn't smart. And I want to say that I'm sorry to you. And I feel bad about the fact that, like, basically you were put in the middle of your best friend and your sister. And so Kylie says, I appreciate that. And then she says, you know, I I honestly think I was so codependent with Jordan. We probably would still be living together to this day. I think she needed to grow without me. I needed to grow without her. But, like, Jordan and I are cool now. We still talk. We still catch up. So this is where, like, like, Tristan never had me. Never. It'll never be that. But he completely gave himself up because he tells her, oh, well, um, let Jordan know that I apologize for, you know, like whatever, you know, she had to go through during that time. You know, I just feel like I'm probably like the reason why I went in that direction or whatever. So, you know, but like, I just wanted to let you know, because like I was a fucking idiot. So Kylie tells him, you know, I think you really have such a good heart and good energy and it's just confusing because some of the shit that you do is like fucking crazy, Tristan. And he's like, yeah, I think a lot of it was that like I was selfish and I really didn't understand the value of good people. So he tells us separate, like to the cameras that he really wants to apologize to for how much it affected her, like highly, right? And then he's like, well, I, and also Jordan, right? So I'm hoping that Kylie relays the message to Jordan. And then he tells her, like, the most, the thing that I, is most important to me is that I gain the respect back of my family. So this is where I'm like, time out. Because, like, you're just like, oh, 
oh, I'm going to put on a mic pack and record me talking to Kylie. And I'm going to put on a mic pack and record me talking to Chloe about how I want to talk to Kylie and, and Kendall and Courtney. And I've had these private conversations with everybody in the family. And now I'm here talking to Kylie. Could you just like tell her, the other one, Jordan, that I'm sorry? Just, just let her know. This is not Chloe. This would be the scene where you would maybe think he's only doing this for a tactic. Because if he was really sorry and if he had really been doing all this therapy, he would also be trying to apologize to Jordan. But it's not a priority to him because he knows that it's not a priority to you because you're not really friends with Jordan. You're just like cool and in like a Hollywood we're cool way. Like, we're going to keep it cute, right? But it's kind of like, fuck you forever. She's not on the list of priorities for Chloe. And therefore, she's not on the list of priorities to apologize to, even though her life got really fucked up and turned upside down. Granted, probably for the better. But the fact that you're just like, oh, well, can Kylie, can you just like let her know that I'm sorry? You're willing to have this whole big ass conversation with her. But just like let her know if you see her next time, sometime, if you want to send her a text or something, like just, just holler at her. See, like, see. So Kylie's like, yeah, you know, like, it's really hard to forgive you, but I do want to move on. And then he starts talking about how bad he's going to feel if, when, when uh, True is at school and she's, you know, talking about, oh, my dad does this. He's so great. He's this, he's that. And somebody tells him, tells True the truth about her daddy and his dingling. And how that's going to be really hard. He, how bad he's going to feel about that. It's like, well, prepare yourself. This is not an if situation. Sorry. This is a when. And you really need to prepare yourself for when that happens. Okay? Maybe don't feel so bad about it yourself and work on how bad it's going to make True feel. And Tatum. And Prince. And the other one. No disrespect. I just can't think of his name. I know, but all of them they're all gonna have that conversation but why is it only under the lens of true prince is older so you can't say it's because she's the oldest one prince is gonna have that conversation with his classmates too and you know what unlike like true's gonna be able to say oh well my dad's around probably if he's still trying to fuck chloe at this point or if he's managed to nab her Maybe there might be a chance where she can say, but my father's present and he's changed now. But you know, it was probably not going to happen with Prince or the other one. Sorry. And that's the worst part. Speaking of my prediction of children, Courtney goes to Ulta because her Lemmy supplements are in store. And there's something about the in-person shopping experience. Honestly, the only thing I care is that I was proven right in my years ago assessment that Penelope was going to be that girl. She was going to be like an aesthetic queen. And I see it. I'm calling it now. Y'all said 2023. Kara said Penelope was going to move to New York. She's going to terrorize this city. And I can't wait for it. Like respectfully, I can't wait. She's going to be a fashion girly. She's going to like really, she's going to be Kylie, like King Kylie 3.0. You heard it here first. So then uh, we go back to, uh, Kim goes back to LA and she's meeting up with Chris and she tells Chris that she has some sort of like issue with her back. And Chris is like, well, you know, scoliosis runs in the family. And Kim goes, 
mom, I don't have scoliosis. But she explains to her that what she does have is cockadenia. And so Kim explains to her that it's like, you know, a, a, like a pain around the tailbone. Could that happen from like implants? I just thought about that. From like, you know, like your weight, your body carrying weight that it wasn't naturally supposed to. That like, I'm not even trying to be shady. Is that like, can cockadenia be exacerbated by like, like ass shots? That's a great question. But anyway, she's like, oh, you know, it's like pain around the tailbone. And Chris goes, oh, a booty boo-boo. <laughs> the technical term for cockadenia is booty boo-boo. So Chris goes on, gets on to her about like overscheduling herself, overbooking herself, right? Kim says what she thinks that she might have is imposter syndrome. Like, I can't believe we have all this. And so I just have to keep working, working, working to make sure that we don't lose it. And I just like can't let that go. But I don't know. It's like, do we really feel that sad for Kim? You're a billionaire girl. Where is it going? At this point, it's not going anywhere. Talk to somebody about that. But not us. So then, whew, Tristan saunters into Courtney's house to have a conversation with her. But as he walks in, we don't see Penelope, but he, like, she's clearly, like, down the hallway or something. And he goes, oh, hey, Penelope, uh, wish me luck. But it's like, last episode, we already heard from her mama. She don't like you either. So she's not wishing you anything, sir. Courtney comes out with a notebook, which is like, you know what? great idea because if if i tell you one thing there have been situations we won't get into it where i wanted to pull a notebook on 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 an ex as well and i wanted to sit down and have this conversation a couple times so this was very satisfying for me to watch we'll just keep it keep it to that okay (laughs) so courtney asks him how scared are you on a scale of one to ten he's like oh oh, i'm not scared Courtney says in a confessional that when they were in Palm Springs for Easter and Tristan came with his titties out and was walking like an Egyptian around her house, that Tristan kept like lightly mentioning a future life, a future plans with Chloe. And even as she's saying, oh, he was talking about this, she's making this face like she's disgusted. Like her face is totally betraying her. Like he said something about like wanting future plans with Chloe. Like, ugh. (laughs) And she says, as soon as he left, like we saw them, he left out in the uh, golf cart with Penelope and them in the back. And she says that as soon as he left, he texted her asking if they could have a conversation. But she's like, you know, I was busy eating my Cheetos in peace. I didn't really want to talk to him in Palm Springs and I can't fake it. So we really haven't connected since then. And I feel you on that girl. So she says... That basically, first she says she's not really here to judge. But then she goes, I'm just curious. And I just wonder, like, why are you never remorseful? Like, the next day, do you, like, like, after you do the deed, do you feel anything? So Tristan says, well, personally, when I cheat, I feel disgusted the next day. She goes, okay, so why do you do it again? (laughs) And Tristan's like, well, I think I was just cheating for an action or for a feeling. But also, it really came down to me not knowing what love is because the way I grew up, I think in therapy, I realized that, like, I would see how my dad would treat my mom and there would be all this drama and I couldn't protect my mom from that. So I'm kind of a numb to my emotions of, like, being scared or sad about stuff. So Courtney says, well, do you think that your mom was always just, like, pretending to be happy because she numbed things? 
And he says, yeah, like I never really understood how to feel pain because here's the most important person in my life. Even though they're being treated terribly, I never saw her in pain. I never saw her suffering. So I couldn't understand that emotion. Like I've never seen a man treat a woman well. I've never seen a man not cheat on a woman. So then he says, I made a mistake. And Courtney goes, multiple mistakes. He's like, yeah, yeah, multiple. But then Tristan's like, what what I ever did is like, I never really understood like why I made the mistake. And Courtney says, but do you think, like, what do you think the mistake is? Let's get there. And he says, well, the mistake was cheating. And like, maybe when I was having these feelings, like I should have told Chloe in the beginning and we could have gotten ahead of those feelings and like, maybe we could have worked through that together. And so she wouldn't have been so blindsided. And so Courtney says, do you think like maybe having a mom who never put herself first, like, you know how that feels. Now you have Chloe who's basically in the same situation don't you think that maybe she should put herself first and tell you that you actually don't stand a chance with her? <laughs> and so Tristan's like, uh, well, I can't tell her what to do. She's like, no, I, I know that you can't tell her that, but like, I just don't think you deserve Chloe. And that's it. And I, I think that the, like the actions that you've done have not been one thing that she's deserved. And then he just sits there and she stares at him. And then the screen says to be continued. The notebook was a great addition, girl. I love that. The thorough. And that was good. Like a real sister. Like Kathy. Okay. (laughs) I appreciate that. All right, you guys. Have a good week. I don't know why I'm saying that. My schedule's not changing. You're going to hear Sister Wives. And, um, well, it's going to be changing in the sense that I'm not going to be talking about... Miami or uh, Beverly Hills this week. I'm not even sure if they're airing, but I'm just going to keep it cute. Give myself a little time with the fam. And we're going to be talking out on Friday's episode, um, Potomac, Winter House, and Salt Lake City. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Hope you guys have time off. Hope you have a good week. Bye.